Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Amen. Well, I'm so excited to share God's word with you today. If you want to look in your sermon outline, if you'd like to meet me, we're going to study a verse in Proverbs 3. And we're in this series called Doubt to Destiny, just talking about how to go to a complete trust and faith, even in the middle of hard times. And today I want to talk about how to go from, from partial faith to committed faith, from being sort of in to all the way in, believing God, from compromising faith to conviction, you know, from sort of maybe I believe to, man, I have crossed the river. I believe in my whole heart. So let's read this in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 10. It says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, trust in the Lord, help me, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In how many? All your ways. Acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. I, I believe for many people, the struggle they have is, is going all the way in their faith. That it's so much easier, you know, to be a renter than a buyer, you know, to be a watcher than a, than a true participant, to be uh, someone who tastes but doesn't swallow, to be someone who engages from a distance but doesn't completely follow with all of their heart. And, and this place of, of saying, God, I lean on you completely is incredibly the difference maker in living a life of destiny. The word faith actually means to rely completely on, to put all of the weight, to abandon yourself completely, to no longer hesitate, don't go halfway, don't be in the middle, <laughs> but to be all of your heart, no compromise. I have this picture in my mind when I was about eight years old, and the first time I was going to try jumping off a high dive, I wanted to jump off a high diving board so bad. We were at this park in El Paso at the time, Washington Park, and, and, and I said, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. And, and, and so, you know, I climbed this thing up to the top, and I walked to the edge, and I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said, I cannot do this, never mind. I'm, and I stand there for a little while, and then finally I turn back. Now the problem is, a seven-year-old girl is right behind me. Now, I don't know if it was because someone was behind me or because it was a girl. My pride got the best of me. And I said, I, I remember holding my eyes and saying, ah! But you know what? It changed my swimming life forever. <laughs> I, I, I crossed something, a barrier. It was different. I could do something I couldn't do before. See, that's faith. Going beyond putting your, you know, your toe in the water. 
going beyond living a life kind of hesitant. Heard about a guy tell the story. He was an explorer, and he was up in the north, and he was trying to crawl across a frozen lake. Wasn't sure it would hold him, and he's just spending hours like this, and all of a sudden, the guy with a big sled and all these dogs comes. And he goes, what was that? <laughs> right across. How many know there's two ways to be a Christian? One is, and one is, I believe God, all the way. Total trust. Totally believe. Uh, I've said it all through this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's being willing to defy doubt. And say, doubt, you won't stop me. Fear, you won't stop me. It's being willing to give God everything. I love this story. I've told it before, but just a, about this, this farmer who was going through such hard times. And so a chicken and a, and a pig got together. And Miss Chicken began to say, oh, Mr. Pig, we got to help Farmer John. He's having such a hard time. He can't pay the bills. He's hungry. And, and the chicken says, Mr. Pig, guess this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give Farmer John all my eggs. Would you please help me? Could we serve him ham and eggs? Mr. Pig looks at him and says, hey, brother, for you, that's an offering. For me, that's total commitment, you know. How many know God wants all of you? He wants your body. He wants your time. He wants to, to totally say, God, I'm in for your glory. I will keep going. Now, now, we have a problem because we live in a culture that wants benefits without commitments. You know, I, I got to be careful here. <laughs> Whatever. I want a stimulus check. I don't want to go build a business. Whatever it is. I, I want to live together. I don't want to get married. I want to I try this out. I, I don't want to totally give up my options. Come on. And, and so it's a culture that teaches us, hold back. Go slow. Stay in the middle. You know, one of the reasons we have our next step classes because I'm bold in asking people, would you commit us to helping us change the world? <laughs> we need your gift. And, and I remember this one couple, no, they've been coming a long time, and it's like, man, if you would give us your gift, we could change it. Las Cruces, come on. And it was kind of like my, my heart was saying this. Hey, bro, are we still dating don't you think it's about time <laughs> that this becomes marriage? Don't you want to go beyond just, I'm just watching, to, hey, I'm all in. I'm changing the world. Are you okay out there? A byproduct of this is so many Christians never commit to the Lord, their whole hearts. They never give a complete abandon. My main point today it is only to the degree that we trust God's power completely that we experience the full measure of God's provision. If we sort of trust God, we get sort of his power. <laughs> I have this picture in my mind of when my children were real young. I think it was Molly and Anna. I, I invited them to help me go on the roof to change something in the air condition. And we got the ladder. We got up there. And, and I'll just say, it's not her temperament now, but Anna was very afraid as an eight-year-old. And so after we did all this, uh, you know, 
I said, let's get down now. So I got on the ladder, and I reached. I said, come on, Anna, let's get down. And, and she hung her legs over it, but she wasn't about to let go of the roof. I said, come on, Anna, come on. Just, just trust me. Just, you know, I said, I'm, I'm not letting go, you know. And I kind of had to drag her, and I got to the bottom. All of a sudden, I look up Molly, and she's like dancing on the roof. says, Dad, I'm going to jump. I said, what? Ah! <laughs> she gave me a heart attack, but she experienced the full power of my strength. She experienced that her daddy would catch her. There is a level where you walk with God that you never quite will see the fullness of who he is until you go all the way to trusting him. I was studying the heroes of faith. You might remember Hebrews 11 is a faith chapter. and I found that every single one of them had this one characteristic. There was a point in their journey where they went all in. I mean, you, you go to it and you see Abraham off of your son Isaac. Are you kidding? But Abraham says, God, here. And it says Abraham didn't believe he was going to kill it. He believed God would resurrect his son. I mean, that is faith, right? God, I'm going to just believe. I, I mean, you see Daniel, and he's, he said, if you keep praying, we're going to feed you to the lions. He says, okay, we'll see about that. And he prays anyway. You see David run at a giant. You see Job, he's going through the worst time in his life. And there's this incredible verse where everything shifts because in his suffering, he goes to this point and it's like he, he says this defiant word. He says, though he slay me, I will praise him. I will trust him. God, I, I am going all in. There's a verse in Habakkuk 3.16 where Habakkuk is losing all his stuff and there's a famine, all this stuff. And he's like ready to complain, which is the number one killer of faith. And then he says these amazing words. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no grapes on the vine, and though I have no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that powerful? I, I want you to know, whatever happens, I only have one thing I do, and that is I'm all in because I believe God works all things Amen. for good. It's, it's that kind of prayer where, where most people just sort of give up, but there's some people who pray all the way through. The woman with the issue of blood, she comes and everybody tells her, go home, go home, and you've 12 years you've been trying to get healed, you're not, and she says, I won't go home. She presses and presses and touches the hem of his garment. And she's healed. When we started out here in the church, it was a struggle that first year or so. And I just knew, you know, in El Paso, we had a great church there. And I knew as much as I would drive out here, I knew there's only one way. Move your family. Quit everything you're doing. You just got to come. And once it was like, man, we sold the farm, we bet the farm, whatever we did, God started to move in this church. I remember finances. When I'm, when I'm just like 21, we're just married, we're going to Bible school. Sharon's pregnant with our first son. And I'm first experience of just freaking out about money. And I said, what am I going to do? And then I lose my job. 
How many know money is one of the last places most people really learn how to trust? Yeah, you know, they depend on Visa card or something else, whatever it is. And so here I am. I lost my job, and I'm just so sweating, and I'm just so freaking out. And I said, how are we going to make it? And I'm trying to add up the money. Will it make it to the end of the week? No, it won't make it to the end of the week. And I'm just saying, all of a sudden, God says, hey, you forgot to give your tithe. I said, what? You know, are you kidding me? The first fruits. Bring the first fruits. And I, I'll just never remember writing that tithe. And, and I was like, oh. And, and, and I gave it, but I felt a release. And I'll, I'll never forget. The next day, I'm at a park shooting baskets, and someone drives up and yells, hey, do you need a job? <laughs> and without me looking for it, I got hired on the spot, making $2 an hour more than I was making before. And God spoke to me, and he said, if you will put me first in your finances, pray about what you spend, you, you, and you give me the first, he says, you will never lack, you will never need and you will bless and be a channel of blessing to thousands of people. I said, it's a covenant, God. And I can tell you 43 years later, I've been young and old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. It is, this, it is always this moment that determines your destiny in whatever area it is. I wanted to show you this verse in Genesis 11. Interesting story. We know about Abram. God calls him out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan and to be the father of many nations. Well, evidently, God called his father Terah first. And, and, and Terah, and, you know, he, he gets ready. So let's just read that. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran, and settled, circle that word, they settled there. And Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while still in Haran. When he died, Abram went the rest of the way. Now, I want you to see this. There's so many people, they start towards this destiny. God's got this. God's got a family that's going to be this way. A Mary, he's got this business I'm going to do. He's got this calling. He's got this anointing. God says, I am going to do with your life more than you ever imagined. Don't you understand? You're a child of destiny. Don't you understand what's supposed to happen in your life is bigger than what you thought or imagined. My spirit is on you. You're going to be a legacy builder for a thousand generations. Your children, 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 they're going to change because you're obedient. You're going to do something that shifts the atmosphere, that shifts the city, that shifts the nation. You are called. You are a man and woman of God. Now get out of your house and start going. Have the biggest yard sale you've ever had and never look back. But when God calls you, there's always this moment. You start. It feels really good. And then all of a sudden, oh. And you see, someone called it the halfway cafe. It's a good place to get coffee. I think I'm kind of comfortable right here. Can I tell you the, the saddest thing about compromise? It starts to feel normal real quick. The saddest thing about lukewarm is you forget that that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
a complacent Christian begins to fall asleep and think, oh, oh, this is Christianity. And you forget there's more. And somewhere, time runs out, and you said, why did I settle in Herod when my destiny was in Canaan? I believe that each and every heart longs for something so big, but we don't realize that the surrender has to be so great. I put in your notes, God's unlimited power and potential for our life is limited only by the degree we are willing or unwilling to fully trust him and to truly follow him. See, only the degree that we, we, we give all will we be free of anxiety. There is this terrible place that's called the middle. It's called the, the valley of indecision. It's that that's place where we're, we're back here and then, then we're over here. We, 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 we want to, but, but we settle in. Look at this verse in James uh, 1.6. It says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. Their life is always up and down. They are yo-yo Christians. You, you don't know. Are, are they in victory today? Because they never settled this. They're still dating Jesus after 50 years. They won't tie the knot. They have too much of the world to enjoy God and too much of God to enjoy the world. They're just miserable. And they're anxious their life is filled with, with this inner turmoil every day. I was made for more of this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And today God is saying, come on. Come on. Some of the areas this applies to is our ethics, our morality, our integrity. You know, can I tell you that living a holy life is a matter of faith? It's a matter of believing that God is good. And when he asks you to do something, or he asks you not to do something, it's because he loves you. You see, sin happens. How did it happen to Adam and Eve? It didn't start with, hey, you know, why don't you become a monster today? It became, hey, Eve, did God really say? That's a stupid rule. <laughs> Don't eat of any tree. Ah, it's not that big a deal. And she doubted. And she lost her destiny. Can I tell you what Satan does? He, he, he comes and he, he doesn't tell you, just forget about God. He just says, take this little step of compromise. Sure, you're going to have sexual integrity, but... Just check out that website. Yeah, you're going to be a kind person, but just, just get back at that person who was mean to you. Just hate them a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, you're, you're going to be good, but you don't have to tell the truth all the time. Just, just adjust the figures a little bit. You just, just need to, just to, to, to just, just go 99% of the way today. 
And it's just incredible, you know, when, when Lot is Abram's nephew and, and he decides to pitch his tent close to Sodom. Now, he doesn't go to Sodom, that's Sin City, right? He just gets an, a scenic view of Sodom. <laughs> Guess what? The next day, he's in Sodom. Peter, when they take Jesus and arrest him, it says Peter doesn't deny Jesus there. He just decides to follow from a distance. But all you need is an inch, and the devil takes a mile. And faith is, God, I absolutely believe that you are so good. I absolutely believe that, that everything you say about sexual integrity is so true. And, and to not have sex before I'm married or not to cheat or not to... God, I just, I just believe you to the point that in advance I predetermined to follow you. I just love what my friend Gerald Brooks says. You know, he just had all these times with his teenagers. He was so good. He says, you, you want to follow Jesus? Let's do some pre-advanced situational analysis. Tell me, what are you going to do when? And this is a great idea for parents. It's a great idea to do for yourself. You know, you're out on that first date, and the boy asks you to go to his apartment. All right, let's, let's, let's hammer it out. <laughs> what does following Jesus look? Or, or, or they want you to go with them driving, but you know they've had too much to drink. What are you going to do when everyone hates you? What everyone tells you you're stupid for following Jesus? Let's go through the whole list. And faith is, this is who I am. This is what I'll do. And this is what I'll be. Why does it matter? Why did it matter that, uh, that Eve cheated a little bit? I guess it mattered. Lost the human race. Lost her destiny. People of character. Even when the king says, if you pray, I'll kill you, they say, you know what, I already decided. I don't have to decide if I'm going to pray or not. I decided that. I have almost no decisions to make in life. I've already made them all. I will follow Jesus by faith, his will, not 99% of the time, 100%. And I will fail, but when I fail, I will jump up so quick. And I will run so fast after God again that it'll look like I never failed, just like Peter did. Remember, Peter, Judas, both failed. One went to destiny and went to death. It, it matters, as I said, in, in how we respond to trials. Will, will we be destroyed by this or will we use doubt to our advantage? That's what I've been talking about all this time. The truth is, these negative things that come at you, this is what champions always do. They take those things, and, and they turn them around. Oh, it's so hard. They say, oh, God is inviting me to a spiritual gymnasium to build my muscles of faith. Okay, doubt. I'm struggling with you, but thank God, because I'm going to the Word. When I come out of this, I'll be twice as faithful. I had one brother tell me, he says, you know, whatever's biting my butt, I let it build my faith. I don't know if that's scriptural or not. But anyhow, when something comes in in my life, I say, God, I'm going to use this. It's going to fan the fire. 
This preacher asked John Wesley because he said, I'm going to have to quit because I have too many doubts to preach the word anymore. John Wesley told him, don't, don't stop preaching because you don't have enough faith. Keep preaching till you have enough faith, you know. Don't let the devil stop you because you failed. Say, God, that failure will make me more determined than I've ever been in my life. Don't let that betrayal be your destiny. Are you kidding me? You're a Joseph. What the devil meant for evil. This is going to take me to my destiny. I'm going to forgive better. I'm going to get a bigger forgiver than I had yesterday. I'm going to shake off the dust. It's not going to make me bitter. It's going to make me better because I'm a champion for Jesus Christ. Amen. Heard the story of, uh, they call it the codfish and the catfish. They used to ship these codfish from the East Coast to the West Coast in these trucks. They would put them in water and they would, the codfish would swim around, but they found by the time they got to Los Angeles, they would be all soft and, you know, yucky. They finally figured out this solution, and that is they would put a catfish with the codfish because catfish are the natural enemies of codfish. And so for the whole way across the country, the catfish would chase the codfish, and the codfish, ah! But when they got to Los Angeles, the codfish were perfect. <laughs> How many know God sometimes let there be a catfish in your tank? Because he's going to make you a champion. He's going to build you up through that temptation, that darkness. It's where the battle will be won. That when you minister, you expect the anointing. You don't just say, well, I'm going to serve. No. The same spirit that was in Jesus is in me. I don't know how many of you expect a miracle this week, but come on. That's what the Bible says. I am not just, a, I don't just sort of believe that I'm a nice, no, I'm a child of God. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to do great things. Watch out, world, I'm going to change you. The power of God is with me. It's just a little attitude, but it makes all the difference in the world because it says you're not sort of in. It says you believe you're really a Christian and the same things God did in his old book he's going to do in your new life. And you just have this faith because you believe it all the time. You pray like it's going to happen. You get up, not like you've been ran over. You get up and you said, hey, today is the day the Lord has made. This is new mercy, new power, new faith. I'm on it. You accept his love personally for you. And you come boldly as I'm not just a Christian. I am God's favorite. I am his beloved. You, you stop living with that dark cloud of I'm just such a loser. No. I believe with all my heart that everything Jesus says about me is true. You don't flounder in decisions. You make decisions boldly. Because God is leading you. You're not always just, oh, I don't know what I should do. No. The Spirit of the Lord is guiding me today. God is trying to create in you this all the way, bold, radical, I believe, faith. How do, you, how do you do it? Number one, let's just go back to that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says, then, that was number one we just talked about. Lean not 
on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. The next step is humility. Can I tell you how you have all in faith? You have to take all the faith off of yourself and put it all in God. The greatest reason we compromise is because we trust in the flesh. Jeremiah 17, 6 says, Cursed is a man who trusts in the flesh. He'll be like a dead leaf, like a weed blown by the... You know, the first thing you do is you say, God, I know that I can't do this. There's a great verse in, in Corinthians 10, 12. It says, let the one who thinks they stand beware. They're about to fall. When you're like Peter and you say, oh, those other guys will forsake you. Not me, God. When you begin to think, hey, I've got it together. I've been a Christian for 48 years. Can I tell you, your, your flesh is as weak as it was the day you accepted Christ. I don't care who you are, if you're Pastor Dale, whoever you are, you are just one step from stupid. I guarantee it. That should be a Bible verse. Thus saith the Lord, thou art one step from stupid. You can fall so fast. Somebody say, I resemble that remark. You can say, I would never treat my kids. I would never yell at my kids. I would ne never. I would never lose it with my kids. I am a man of God, a good father, a gentle father. Watch out. Poor kids. <laughs> Here it comes. See, trusting the Lord in all your heart is not trusting that you're committed. It's knowing that your commitment's not enough. I put in your notes, faith isn't about how I hold on to God, but how I believe he can hold on to me. If I just trust, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation will overcome you for one reason, because God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted more than you're able, and when you face it, he will make the way of escape. You don't overcome by, you know, being big. You overcome by running to Papa, jumping in his arms. I heard about two little second graders, and they, they had been out playing, and they had to come in and get their shoes on, and one got his, his shoe, but his, you know, his shoestring was all messed up and all these knots, and the other boy was watching. He was going crazy. He was crying because he couldn't untie his shoes. And, and, and the other boy says, hey, Hey, Bobby, take your shoe to Mrs. Smith. She knows how to untie hard knots. <laughs> Can I tell you what faith is? Take your knots to Jesus. He knows how to untie the really, really hard kind. I've told you this many times, but after a, a couple of years as a Christian, I resigned. I went literally to the desert, and I said, God, I can't be a Christian. I, I've tried it, gave my best shot. I'm, I'm, I've got too much, and I started going through my issues. And I just said, kill me, God. And it was almost like all of heaven started clapping. <laughs> oh, you finally understand. 
And at that moment, there was this collapse into the arms of God. God, I can't keep one of your commandments, but you can keep them all through me. Don't be wise in your own eyes. The second one, fear the Lord. Have radical respect. What does it fear the Lord? I'll just put it simply. It means you're willing to be a fool in the eyes of people to be faithful in the eyes of God. He says, he says this is the bottom line for people who fulfill their destiny. They come to this crossroads in life because this is so, for so many of us, codependency is the issue, which is, what will I do when everyone thinks I'm stupid? Where everyone is going to criticize me? Will what they think of me matter more than what God thinks of me? And in that moment where you wrestle, and that's where you go back and forth, you know, you know, am I going to be this real Christian or am I going to be this safe person? I'll go to church on Easter and Christmas. Don't worry, I'll be nice. Or I'm going to be radically in love with Jesus and change this world in his name, and I'm going to fulfill a destiny that he had for my life. So many times it comes down. God, I don't care what people think. I care what you think. I fear you. I respect you more than anything. Number three, let, let, make your decisions by faith, not by emotions. He says, in every way, submit or acknowledge him. That's when he directs your path. You see, if you follow your feelings, you will live in the land of doubt. Today, you feel really good. Oh, hallelujah. How many know if you only worship God on your good days, you're not going to worship God very often? If you say, well, I just don't feel like loving, that person doesn't bring out a loving feeling in me. You'll never love like Jesus. Well, today I feel kind of depressed. And Jesus says, but let me ask you something. Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Well, well, I don't know. It wasn't fair how they treated me at work. Are you working for man or are you working for the Lord? You see, if you make decisions by your feelings, your feelings will lead you back again and again to the land in between, the land of compromise. You'll spend your life in Haran. But if you'll acknowledge God in all your ways, God, this is what's going on, but my eyes are on you, Jesus. God, everyone else is staying in the boat, but you're saying get out. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm choosing to go by my faith and not my feelings. I heard an interesting story just this week about a doctor, and he invited this other kind of learning surgeon, and he was so shocked because they were operating on a man, a heart surgeon, and the man's heart stopped. And, and, and he saw the doctor bend over and start talking to the man, even though he was under anesthesia. He said, sir... Tell your heart to start, to start beating. Tell your heart to start beating. And he said, all of a sudden, his heart started beating again. I have a word from the Lord for you. Tell your heart to start beating. Tell your heart to start loving. 
Tell your lips to start praising. Tell your emotions to start obeying God. Tell yourself that you're going to your destiny. And nothing, no demon, no problem is going to stop you. And finally, persevere and never look back. What does that mean? Every person who tries to hold on their options in the end loses them all. Isn't that the way life works? Isn't it so strange? If you want to have a great marriage, give up your freedom totally. It's nice if the other one does too. <laughs> this is so counterintuitive for me. I remember, I guess I was married just a month. I was barely married. And, and after work, I, I decided to go do something, go look at this sporting goods store. I don't know what it was, just the things I also, always used to do when I was single. Now, of course, this is the day before cell phones, way back then. I don't think anything about it until I get home. Sharon's like, where were you? I said, what are you talking about? In that moment, I knew I had given up all my freedom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I learned something. She gave up all her freedom too. And the more we gave up our freedom, the more amazing our relationship became. The more you give up your will to God, the more unbelievable that relationship becomes. You know why? Because he gave up his freedom for you. He died on the cross. He poured out his blood. He gave all that he had and says, I will be with you always. I will not forsake you. If you will give up to me, I will never give up on you. I will be with you. I will use you. I will change you. I will bless you. The moment I have all of you, Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What I know about Satan, he will always try to use the evidence of the past to rob you from claiming your future. He'll always say, you remember that regret? Don't you think that God could use you now? Do you remember the last time you loved do you remember what happened over there? Do you remember how abused you were? You remember that? You remember how far you've tried to be a Christian, never worked? You've been trying to get sober for 20 years. You never got, got there. Look at that. Look at how many times you said it. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Jesus says, if you look back, you'll never Find your destiny. There comes a moment every day. I think it should be every day. Yesterday ended last night. The door is closed. My life is not back there. My life is right up there with Jesus. I refuse all of the thoughts of my past, the compromises of my past. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back.
Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. There was this, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. There was this place called the Valley of Decision in Deuteronomy 30 where, where Moses brings the children of Israel. And it's like, over here is the Jordan and here's the promised land. Over here is the wilderness, and there is Egypt. And they're like standing in the middle of this, this valley. And, and Moses begins to speak to them at this crossroads moment in their life. He says, I, I need to call your attention to something today. Today there has been set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Friend, there's not a third option, I'm sorry. If you stay in the middle, you'll eventually get spit out of his mouth, right back to Egypt. And he says, the reason, Moses said, the reason that I'm pleading with you it says, if you will choose life, you and your children and their children will live. Your kids and your grandkids, you will be the legacy shifter. The, the future will be created with the blessing and signature of God's favor written upon it. But there is another choice over here. It's your regrets, it's your temptations. It's what other people in your family choose. Your friends, that's where they're going, some of them. And, and I promise you, friend, he says, there's gonna be this tug of war. And it doesn't end the day you're saved. 50 years later, you'll still know somewhere in the back of your mind. And he says, please, Choose life. Would you bow your head with me? Holy Spirit, as we just come to this moment, I just call it a, a jump off the high dive moment. Wherever in our life, show us right now, Holy Spirit, where, where we want to go from partially believing and trusting and obeying to all the way. God, is it our marriage? Is it our finances? It is, is, it is whether we're going to be a witness for you or ashamed of you. Is it about some issue of integrity or about coming clean about a secret? Is it, is it about, God, whether we're going to be courageous or fear? Is it going to be about whether we stay stuck in bitterness or we're going to forgive? God, where, wherever that is right now, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will give us the strength to choose life. Just, just pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I want to go all the way to my destiny. Not halfway. Not part of the way. I choose life. All that I have. All that I am. 
to follow all that you say for all of the days of my life. Could we just stand? Just keeping your head bowed, eyes closed. Maybe for someone, this is the day you really decide to be a follower of Jesus or rededicate your life. Thank God this is your moment. Just make that decision right now. Before the Lord, say, Jesus, I choose you. I follow you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.